lot. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you would have never wanted to show off your arms to the whole world. <laughs> Alright, ready? You should Five, end the show with that. Four. <laughs> I'll put it in. Three. So she said. Two. Or he said. One. <laughs> What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 51 of season four. I'm Jay Malikavona, and I'm joined by Kyle Warner for the show. Jack Smith might join us in just a little bit. Uh, but before that happens, if you're not listening live, which you're not, because this is pre-recorded, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, which this may or may not be on. Let's also shout out the affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com, and the Painted Lines. And while you're listening to our episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net, where you can now find the Podtree Bully podcast and the Time I Skates podcast. Uh, Kyle! Big episode for HW. Uh, 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 what's it called? A, a milestone episode, uh, if you will, of sorts. We had probably our biggest guest uh, ever on then Danny Briere. But most re- in recent memory, Danny Briere, the player, obviously a legend. We all grew up watching him. Comes home, assistant to the general manager for the Philadelphia Flyers. We had him. We had him on the show. Uh, what was it, last Thursday? Monday. Was it Monday? Last Monday, right? Was it last Monday? Holy or crap. Friday? Was it Friday? It was Friday. That's what uh, it was. Seems like just yesterday. But I don't yeah. know. I'm unemployed. The weeks <laughs> blend together. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we finally did have him on. We were, we were trying to get him on for a while there. And, uh, you know, obviously around draft time, things are a little bit busy for the team and some of the, the players in the front office and whatnot. I'm sorry. Some of the uh, staff in the front office. So, uh yeah, before we kick off our episode, once again, thanks to Danny Bria for taking the time. Kyle, what'd you think about that uh, that whole thing? It was about 20 minutes long, a lot of information though, uh, and he wasn't he, he didn't really shy away from answering any of our questions. No, he he faced our questions pretty head on. I mean, he had to toe the company line a little bit. You got that sense, like I don't want to get myself in a little bit of trouble by speaking full on his mind, but I think we got a pretty. Uh, a pretty laid back Danny Briere was willing to actually share his uh, his goals and his visions for the team. And and I, I liked it. He was a really nice guy. He was a kind of a breath of fresh air, right? Uh, at least, I mean, you've talked to a, a number of former players, so you know exactly what I'm talking about here. But, you know, a lot of these guys, they'll give you the, the corporate line or the cliche line, right? Like everybody watches hockey. We all watch the interviews. It's, they all say the same stuff. Right. And it's they're kind of trained to give these responses. I felt like Briere was just talking like a person. He wasn't a robot. He was giving his honest answers. Uh, you know, he wasn't getting anybody in trouble, but he was being genuine and authentic. And it was just nice. It was good talking to him. It felt good. You felt like you were actually having a conversation, you know, and it wasn't just rattling off questions for 20 minutes or however long it was. I wasn't mm-hmm. asking him about his days when he was playing and this, that, and no, we wanted answers. And I feel like we got, we got somewhere with the conversation with Danny Briere. It wasn't just a, uh, a meet yeah. and greet with Danny Briere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, of course we would love to reminisce and we know Danny would have loved to uh, reminisce and you know, we did towards the end, but I, for us, the purpose of getting him on the show was try. Well, I'll speak for myself. I wanted to form the connection again with the fans and the flyers, right? Because what happened in July, Kyle, all we heard was things are going to be happening. Things are going to be happening. Came down, came down to it. Things didn't really happen. You know, they kind of pivoted and what was already uh, a, a forming disconnect was a complete, meltdown a complete disconnect from fan base franchise right yeah right? if you guys thought broad street bag day was bad yeah Whew. so <laughs> so my purpose what what i wanted to try to accomplish by getting uh danny on was to just kind of get the fans back on the same page we don't have to like it but to understand where maybe the friend the, like management or, or people like danny Briere are coming from uh when trying to fix not to, not just this team, 
but the organization and you know i, I think we we okay. got some answers well it's not just it's not just the the team and the organization it, it's to fix the damn culture in the locker room you know yeah to just roll over and die and accept that you just ain't gonna win a game is unacceptable especially for all us flyers fans who watched the flyers countless times battle back or at least put an effort forth mm-hmm. in the battle to get back into the game to watch this team the last couple of years and they just roll over and die when they when they go down by two goals, screw it, it's over, we're done, we get, we're getting our paychecks at the end of the week. And that's unacceptable for the city of Philadelphia, which or and most Flyers fans really, we're blue collar fans. We all work hard. We we all um are, are, are hard nosed to see the team that we're spending hard earned money on just quit it's unacceptable to us and i'm pretty sure the organization got that message tenfold yeah and i would agree uh i mean look at some of the moves they made obviously fans they don't like the moves and rightfully so because they expected more which i think is fair because in a lot of ways we were promised more right or we were led to believe we were gonna see more this offseason but According to the guys in charge, that was never the plan. It was a retool or a reassessment, whatever. Jack loves all the rewords. Um, <laughs> and they brought in Nicholas Delorier, who we'll, we'll talk about. They brought back Justin Braun, a perfectly serviceable third pairing guy. Um, third pairing Norris defenseman. Norris, Norris defenseman, yep. And hey, according to some in Flyers media, the next captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, it was, it was said. I'm not kidding about that. That was a real thing. Somebody said, uh, but I wouldn't be mad about it. Uh, anyway. All right. So Delorier Braun, there was one more guy they brought in. Wasn't there? Delorier Braun. No, that's it. Really? That's it. Yep. That's it, man. And then right. they, they re-signed guys like Connaughton and Sealer and yeah. got to reevaluate those guys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, let's How do talk you about- make me so depressed in so little time? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the Laurier because we know what we're getting in Braun, right? Let's talk about the Laurier. I think most people are upset about this signing because of the contract, right, Kyle? Four years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because let's put it this way. Um, we all seen the Dale Weiss contract. And while I don't think it's as much money as Dale Weiss was making, right? Dale, Dale Weiss was... I don't think so. Over two mil per yeah, year for four years, under two, yeah, or yeah. something like that. It it's it's a lot of term for a guy who's a hard nosed guy who doesn't really play hockey extraordinarily well. He's not going to contribute a ton of offense to the team. He does play very well in the penalty kill. Um, but that contract is it scares a lot of people because you, this guy's now locked up for four years. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that. Um, I'm just I'm trying to find him on cap friendly here. All right, 1.75 until 25, 26, and he's 31 years old. So I'm not going to say that the people who are upset are wrong for being upset. I get it. Right, 31 years old, fourth line guy, signed for four years. What are you doing there? Well, let's bring it back to Danny Briere. And talking about, you know, bringing in character guys to help change the culture. Nicholas Delorier is a culture changer. I don't know if, uh, Kyle, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to the episode we had him on. Um, I was there. Oh, you were on that one. (laughs) Well, he's one of those guys that's going to help. He knows why he's here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he, he holds people in the locker room accountable as much as. People say, oh, yeah, just because the guy's tough in your locker room, he doesn't hold people accountable or this, that, and the other thing. No, it's a real thing. I assure you. Somebody who's played hockey their entire lives, when the fourth-line guy who can literally kick the crap out of the entire team is angry with his teammates for not playing hard, you're you're going to get a response out of it. It's just, it's just how hockey works. If you don't understand that, I'm sorry your analytics didn't cover it. I mean – if, if you're one of these guys that aren't going out there and, and busting your ass and you got a guy 
Uh, and I'm not trying to make this a bigger thing than it is. I just want people to understand what this guy brings. You're not going to find in numbers how he's going to change. And he's not going to do it on his own, but how he's going to help inspire change or change in culture. It's not going to be found in the stats, right? This guy's going to go out. He's going to get his face punched in, or he's going to be punching in somebody else's and he's going to be doing his job. And you know what? That that's a it's, shitty job to do, right? I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like guys like to fight, but it's never fun to get punched in the face. And so, if you have a guy, just throwing names out there, not picking on anyone, like Morgan Frost or Travis Konechny, not doing their job, which is way more fun than getting punched in the face. Nick Deloria, I think, might have a problem with that. You know, not just that, but. He's he can be a momentum changing player if if it's not the fights it's the physicality the guy throws hits he's a straight he's a straight line player and playing on a line with uh, hopefully Zach McEwen you got two straight line hard nosed players that are going to crash and bang in the corners well what was what was absolutely worthless and pathetic last year from the Philadelphia Flyers among many other things. Yeah, Their forecheck. It was non-existent last year. There was no forecheck. So now if you can send out your fourth line to crash and bang, you get those defensemen looking over their shoulders, second-guessing where they're going to put the puck or getting rid of it too fast, thinking somebody's going to hit them, you have a turnover now. You have some kind of forecheck. You can build momentum off of that. You know what you can't build momentum off of? Being in your defensive zone 90% of the hockey game. Right. Right. And yeah, the, the third player that we were talking about earlier that we couldn't think of was Tony D'Angelo. He'll also, he'll also help with that, getting the puck out, you know? Um, but yeah, to your point, the four check and guess who likes crashing and banging the fans, right? And guess who feeds off fan energy, the rest of the team. So I'm not saying Nick Delorier is going to turn this team around, but he'll help contribute to the culture change. We'll try at, at least the ones that, you know, the, the, the culture, I think that they're trying to bring back, um, you know, the, the Danny Breer mentioned they're trying to bring back a sense of, you know, standing up for each other. You know, they're not just going to get beat up for 60 minutes a game and, and not do anything about it. You know, if, if they're going to get, if you're going to lose six, nothing, uh, you know, they're hopefully they're still playing tough till the end. You know, they're not just, uh, you know, sitting back and, you know, letting it happen. Yeah, because you remember the old days, Kyle. If the Flyers were getting their butts whooped, they certainly weren't going to be happy about it. They weren't going to pretend to be happy about it, right? Again, well, it brings me back to my original point with, remember, 06, 07? Worst, the worst season the Flyers have ever had in the history of the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm -hmm. I think they won maybe 19 or 20 games that entire year. It was it was horrendous. It, But it was entertaining. Yeah. Because you got you had guys like Riley Cote out there. You had you had some toughness and some grit, and you had guys who weren't giving up. They were still trying. They knew they sucked. They knew it. We knew it. They knew it. But guess what? We all freaking tuned in to watch Riley Cote take on whoever the heavyweight was and to watch some big hits. And people tried to do something, try to make plays, trying to do something. Yep. Yep. All right, so if you remember, there was a t there was a part in the interview where I asked Briere what his personal goals were, hoping that you know I could get a. Oh, him into saying he wants to be the GM. Exactly, <laughs> I would like to be a future GM one day, but he didn't give that answer, and you'll find out later in the interview exactly what he said. Uh, but it was more so what he wanted to bring the franchise back to. He wanted to do it as a team. He wants the Flyers to be relevant again, to be, you know, competing for the Stanley Cup every year. You could hear it in his voice. He kn they know. He knows the Flyers aren't where they should be or where they're supposed to be. How It sounds like he kind of has an idea of how they're looked at around the league as well. I mean, nobody wants to be bad at year in and year out. If you're the Phoenix Coyote or the Arizona Coyotes, yeah, sure, people expect that. Uh, but if you're the Philadelphia Flyers, this is embarrassing what's happening to them right now, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, I love that answer personally. And uh, like I said, I don't want to spoil anything, but we're kind of just uh, coming up with some things to talk. We got nothing to talk about aside from, you know, Wade Allison finally signing and Hayden Hodgson 
Hayden Hodgson signed just before we got started here. So, I mean, we'll touch on those two, but we just kind of wanted to pump you guys up a little bit for the interview, which will be, uh, it'll come up in about just 15 minutes here. We're not going to keep you guys forever tonight. Um, but yeah, all right, Kyle, let's, let's touch on those signings a little bit. So Wade Allison signs a two-year deal. The first year is two-way. The second year is full one-way. What are your thoughts? I think the average annual value is like 785 or something. I'm pretty sure if he's playing in the AHL, it goes down to like 200-something. Uh, thoughts on the two-way, then the one-way. I think it's a it's a confidence piece. I think it's they met somewhere in the middle. I think Wade Allison won in two years one way. He feels that he showed enough to be given a spot, and the organization is like we're done giving spots to people. <laughs> Everybody needs to earn their keep at this point. And um, so the two years uh, two way first year makes sense. Um, if he gets hurt or if something happens or if they need to bury some cap. It's a lot easier to not lose a player by sending them down to because you. I don't know if you remember last year all the cap juggling that they were doing, mm -hmm. trying to keep players from being on waivers and the whole mess that that ensued from that. I mean, they lost knack the waivers. Not that that was a salary cap issue, but um, I think that having him on a two way it saves you from waivers, especially for the first year. And then next year they should be in a better position to not have to send players like Wade Allison up and down the, to do the cap juggle. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like it, right? For for a lot of the reasons that you just said. And, you know, Wade's a great kid, uh, yet to prove that he can stay healthy during the course of a season, unfortunately. So, I mean, the two-year – I mean, the two-way, the first year is perfectly fine. He Maybe he proves that he can stay healthy, and boom, now you're on the one-year, uh, one one-way – uh, I believe league minimum, you know, earn a contract kid. I mean, we would love to see it. We're all rooting for him. Uh, glad he's around for two more years, 24 years old. Now it'll be obviously 26 by the time that's done. And if it doesn't happen by the time he turns 26, unfortunately, man, like he, you know, the flyers would have to move on. You don't want to see it, but uh, it is what it is, you know, the, and he's one of the guys that could also help shift that culture in the locker room. I mean, this is, He's just one of those guys. Another hard-nosed player that doesn't give up on plays. Yeah, but he has fun doing it. He makes it fun, you know? Like, I'm not sure. Like, imagine going through what this kid's been through and still keeping that, you know, happy-go-lucky, like, just loves what he does. You know, he loves being in the building kind of thing. It's infectious, right? I mean, uh, it's positive. It's positivity. Flyers need more of th these kind of guys, more of these kind of players, you know? Um, and then the other signing was... Hayden Hodgson. Do you remember Hayden Hodgson last year? Negative. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so he came up, played six games, had a goal and two assists with the Flyers, uh, down with the Phantoms in 46 games. He had 19 goals and 31 points. Uh, it was a plus six with 60, I'm sorry, 70 penalty minutes. So played well. I think he, I think he scored a goal in his first or second NHL game and looked pretty good. And people were like, Oh, this could be a, you know, it could be a, a guy they bring up a big kid. Hang on. I have him right in front of me here. Six foot two, two Oh seven, um, 26 years old. So not exactly a kid anymore. Another right wing. Uh, but you know, a, a guy they'll have in their system. Uh, I would say if he's up with the flyers next year, things are probably not going great. But, uh, you know, another guy, they're hanging, uh, they're letting hang around here. So good for Hayden Hodgson. Uh, I think the terms are the same, by the way, too. Let me just double what, check. Two years? One's two, in one way? Two years. Hang on a second. Actually, let me open the Bird app because I believe our good buddy Colin Newby posted about this. Flyers have signed Hayden Hodgson to a two-year, two-way, one-way deal. Yeah, so same exact thing, worth 800k in average annual value. Colin also mentions here the organization seems a little higher on Hodgson than I think some people realize. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Not sure if that's good or bad, but what are you gonna do? You know. I don't like that deal for one reason and one reason only. It makes it a lot harder of a deal to trade. Yeah. 
now you got a guy stuck on the roster next year. He'll be 28 by the time it's done. And, you know, I, hey, great for Hayden. Just don't I, – I, I would rather see other guys succeed. Next year. Like I said, if, if he's up on the roster, guys got hurt. But we're going through what we went through last year. Now, actually, Kyle, I'm going to bring up, since we're talking about injuries, the part in – Briere's, uh, one of Briere's answers where he, he brought up that the Flyers were missing all of their starting centers. All four. Do you think it was at, it was five? If he, he, he forgot to mention Nate Thompson, but it, all right. anyways, do you think that we kind of discount that when we look at the team from last year? Like, do we forget that that happened? Because that's I a think, massive thing it's, that it's happened. Mass, it, I, it's, it's beyond massive and it, it's, it's almost immeasurable. To, to lose all five of your NHL centers yeah. at one point in time. And and you even slid a guy over from center or from the wing to the center in Scott Lawton, and he goes out hurt. Yeah. It's, you literally had no centers. You had Morgan Frost on your top line until Kevin Hayes came back. Yeah. It was, mm. it, it, was a, it was a disaster. And I think they tried to address it with the medical staffing and whatever they're doing with bringing in a rugby medical guy. I don't know. Whatever floats their boat. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we're going to be sitting in the same damn position next year going. Don't you think you should have fixed this? Uh So I remember tooting that horn last year. Like, guys, it's not normal for a team to not have any of their starting centers. Like, I know it's Sean Couturier. I know it's Kevin Hayes. And then obviously I know it's only Patrick Brown. It's only Nate Thompson. I know it's only Morgan Frost, um, but it matters, right? If, if you're, I mean, if, if you don't have centers, dude, you can't win. You just can't, <laughs> you can't like, there's no other you're way to slide. say it. You're gonna, didn't they slide connect me over to the center? I'm to sure try they to... did at some point. I mean, it was just, it was I mean, a disaster yeah. from start to finish. It was a disaster. And and I think, I think people were more disappointed in the, with the fact that they still gave up. Yeah. They were all giving up. So even though there's a bunch of kids playing center that don't really belong in the NHL playing center, there's still no room for you to go. Man, eh, we're done playing defense. Right. Man, eh, we're done playing. We're, we're done for checking. We're not playing anymore. Like, yeah. So when you think about all that and then you take into consideration that next year is a reevaluation or a stabilization year, does that begin to make a little bit more sense to you when you consider all of the injuries? I mean, Justin Braun was playing on top pair D again. While you're out all four or five year centers, not that those are excuses, but is it kind of like let's pump the brakes before we do anything nuts here? Let's see one more time what we have. And, you know, if it goes that far south, all of a sudden we're in the mix for Bedard, Michkov, uh, what the hell's the other guy's name? Fantilli, I think. Does Are you okay with that plan now, the stabilization what? thing, or are you still a little pissed off? No, I've come around to be more okay with it than I was originally after I got fed the whole blank check yeah. narrative. Um I'm a little more okay with it. it. It's all on how they perform too. And again, like Danny Breer alluded to in the interview as well, it's a make or break year for a lot of these kids. Yeah. Like you either show up or you get out. And I think that's why you see Morgan Frost with a one-year contract, you know, yep. it's, it's you earn a spot and you keep earning that spot. It's not just going to be given to you at this point yeah. or you're gone or you're gone. It's that simple. You're that's your two options. I also think that um, organizationally, um, center was a uh, was a goal come draft time. You've seen it in their first pick with Cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, I think that it, it's a little bit more like like Briere said. You know, it's it's a reevaluation, and then if they get another high pick next year, you could potentially see another center being drafted here. In, in next year's draft. It depends how high they are and, and what's available to them, but <clears throat> another center will go a long way to revamping the, the fact that our center position is kind of falling apart here. Yeah. 
if if they magically get Coots back at a hundred percent for the next three to five years, you know, and, and Kevin Hayes can play like he did towards the end of last season when he uh, recorded 22 points in his last 28 games. Like that's, that's great production from Kevin Hayes, you know, cause you're Absolutely. expecting 40, 50 points. I mean, double that. And that's 44 points. And I don't know, why did I just do math here? 56, 54 games, something like that. That's pretty good. Um, so if they can if they can rely on those two guys just to be who they are, they don't need anything extra. And then you know Morgan Frost can chip in with forty points. Any I'm just gonna say this: anything less than forty points from Frost, and I don't care if it's too high a bar. With a kid with supposedly this offensive talent, you could score forty points, right? I'm and not I'm not saying he's gonna score twenty goals, maybe ten and thirty or something like that. But you know. I'm tired of hearing about how he has all this offensive prowess, but can't seem to ever find space in the NHL. You you skate so well, but th- you, there's never any space for you, yeah. which I think another reason you bring in a guy like Nick Delorier, guys like that create space for players like Morgan Frost. Yeah, so I'm not advocating for Nick Delorier to be playing on the freaking wing with Morgan Frost, but you did see it when a guy like Owen Tippett came onto the team last year that size, that tenacity in the corners, it opened up space mm-hmm. for Morgan Frost. And that line performed very well towards the end of that season. Yeah, just just put a little bit of fear, a little bit of doubt. I mean, we've seen, huh, I'm going to say it, we've seen the last, what, three years now, what fear can do to people, right, Kyle? It's the same thing in sports, right? If if you come into a game 100% focused on what you have to do and there's going to be nothing to prevent you from doing that, you're probably going to have a good game. Whereas now, if you know that there's somebody on the other team that is is not going to be playing you know, just regular defense, he's going to be coming to take your head off. He's going to be coming to, to mess you up. He's going to be coming to hurt you maybe. right? And if you do something he doesn't like, you better have your head on a swivel. All of a sudden, you're not just thinking about the game anymore. You're thinking about the Laurier. Fear can really mess up a lot of things. It, number one, it will mess up your focus. And it will have you doing things that you, you wouldn't normally do. So, And you're not going to find that on the stat sheet, right? So, that, I don't want, again, I don't want to blow up the Laurier too much and make it seem like he's going to have this crazy impact. But he'll have subtle impacts on certain players, you know, just – Keep in mind what happened the last couple of years, right? Where Lindblom had to, you know, stick up for himself, things like that. You shouldn't, that shouldn't be a thing anymore. You're not going to have to worry about that kind of stuff. Remember when Kachuk dropped Scotty Lawton on his head, right? And you don't really, I'm just, I don't want anyone fighting Kachuk because he's a lot tougher than a lot of the players that we had on the team, right? I mean, you still want someone to drop the gloves with him. Gladly take my fourth liner, taking their top liner off though. Right. I mean, let's anyone who fights Kachuk is probably going to get their ass whooped. Now, you have a guy. Hey, did you see what he just did to Scotty Lawton? Yep, boom, he's over the he's over the uh the boards. And that's it. And now that you know you have a guy like that, you feel a little you might feel a little safer. You know, you can play you know, a little bit. You know, you know what I love though is um uh, the fact that Danny Breer he he said in the interview that uh you know, we all understand that we can't bring back the Broad Street Bullies and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, you can't, but you got to remember the Broad Street Bullies had some talent oh, on yeah. those teams. I mean, Dave Schultz scored a lot of freaking points for a yeah. guy who got the reputation, the hammer. I mean, you don't have to be the Broad Street Bullies in a sense that every line's going to end in a bench brawl. But at the same time, you can bring back that culture of hard-nosed hockey that won you guys cups that the Flyers and Flyers fans have identified with for years, for decades, for the existence of the franchise. You always expected hard-nosed hockey, and they've gotten away from it, and it's led to losing more games than they won. So you can even argue the Mike Richards day. I mean, Mike Richards was a broad street bully. That dude would tear you up and then fight you. Like you don't have to fight every night 
to play Broad Street Bully Hockey. That's that's not the game here. But Mike Richards came out every night with that Broad Street Bully attitude of I'm going to beat you up physically, and then if you have a problem with it, I'm going to fight you as well while also scoring two, three points a night. Ultimate ultimate flyer, Mike Richards. I could talk about him forever. I, I love the guy. I'm, I know you did too. Um, when was the last time we had a Mike Richards, aside from Mike Richards? Never. And you, and you knew. You, you knew that you had this type of player almost instantly, right? Because his first – year in the league he, he wasn't putting up a lot of points i mean you know he had some skill but he was fighting guys you know he was making his he was making his stamp he was putting his stamp on the roster right uh, i i don't remember exactly where he was playing in the lineup but i don't imagine it was first or second line he had a role and he played the role and obviously he grew into the player that he was that big big reason i really like the cutter gochier pick the dude plays hard-nosed hockey yeah yeah he's got skill mike richards had a ton of skill too but he will still take you into the corner as if he's a fourth liner. Like he's not coming slow. He's not going to ease up, up on you because you, you know, you might be a smaller player. No, he's going to hit you as hard as he was going to hit the big guy. There's a, you know who else you're going to like is the second round pick Devin Kaplan. Same, yeah, same type that. player. Yeah, you're going to like him. Um, but yeah, so we're about uh, a little bit under 32 minutes. Uh, what do you think, Kyle? Are we running out of stuff here. Should we should we just get to the Briere episode? Should we not keep them waiting any longer? Yeah, let's not keep them waiting anymore. All right. Well, all right. So that's going to do it for Kyle and I. Unfortunately, Jack could not hang out for this episode. Uh, but with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you, Mr. Danny Briere. Hope you guys enjoy. We'll be back next week. All right, ladies and gents, we are joined by former Flyer great and current assistant to the GM, Mr. Danny Briere. Danny, thanks for taking the time, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited to, to get you on. Uh, so we're going to just jump right into this. We're not going to waste any time. Last year was a, a pretty good year for you. Uh, you returned back to Philadelphia. Now you're on high and wide radio with us. Man, what a can't what a much, year! Get much better, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, can't get much better. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive a little bit uh, deep. We want to kind of figure out the whole process of of how you ended up back in Philadelphia. We know we you were up in Maine with the, with the Mariners GM and up there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how the whole process played out? Because we had heard through the media that Montreal had some pretty major interest in you, and yet you ended up back in Philadelphia. Yeah, I am. It's been an amazing uh, journey. When I uh, retired, I was very fortunate. Uh, I had a good relationship with Paul Holmgren, and Paul kind of took me under his wing a little bit, um, but more on the business side of things with the Flyers. So I uh, I started getting involved, um, understanding a little bit better what each and every department does on the business side. So I was spending time with uh, uh, ticket sales guys, with corporate sales, with social media people, with uh, marketing, um, game day presentation. So it was really cool to learn all that. And all of a sudden, um, you know, Comcast Spectacor acquired an ECHL team. Um, and they asked me if I was interested in in running it um, with the help of Paul Holmgren, who will be acting as the, the president. So I, I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, dove into that. Uh, we didn't have a name, a logo, colors, or anything like that. So at the start from scratch, um, had a few, uh, first of all, I, I had to build the business side, first of all. Um, and then once that was done, we had a few employees and then we built the hockey side later on and I was able to oversee uh, both sides of it. Um, you know, I think I had 11 employees for the main Mariners where by comparison, you know, the Flyers probably had about 300. So um Everybody had to wear many hats, but it was a, a great learning experience. It was amazing. Um, you know, the ECHL, uh, I was really impressed how how much uh, it, it has improved since I played hockey. I remember starting uh, my pro career and hearing some horror stories about the ECHL. Well, I can tell you that that's changed a lot and they, they do a fantastic job. Um, so uh, it was a great learning experience. And then all of a sudden, my name uh, started popping up. I had a, a few different interviews uh, with different teams. And then the Montreal Canadiens, um, it was out there a little bit more. Um, you know, it was a great learning experience as well, going through the process of interviewing for the job. 
And, um, you know, I was in the organization. I was around the Flyers quite a bit, even though I was running the, the main Mariners uh, during the pandemic. I was helping out with uh, uh, some practices sometimes when the, the players were on the road or I started getting involved and in being at the rink a little bit more. Um, and then I was hired to uh, to just at first start in the player development role uh, with the Flyers. And after uh, what went through with uh, Montreal Canadiens, um, uh, Chuck Fletcher approached me about uh, an assistant GM uh, job, assistant to the general manager. And that's where I've been now since uh, probably February, I think. Um, and it's it's been so much fun. That's, um, that's what I love doing nowadays. I might not be playing anymore, but... Um, it's as close as you can get to uh, to the team. So uh, the Flyers, have, I've been, you know, spend the most amount of years playing uh, in my pro career was here in Philadelphia. After I retired, I also came back and lived in Philadelphia. The, the kids grew up here. Uh, this was, you know, what they called home. Uh, my wife is from here as well, so it was an easy decision. So to have the chance to work for the Flyers on top of it, um, you know, can, can't get much better. Outstanding. And a couple follow-ups there. So I had heard on a, a past podcast that you were on that, you know, you'd much prefer the the business side or the, uh, you would rather be a GM than coach, uh, to put it simply. Uh, what about that side of the game appeals to you more than, say, you know, coaching a, a team? Yeah, it's a good question. I um, And I, I don't say never, um, but I see myself just the way, um, the way I am, I, I think I'm, I'm more, um, I think I'll do better in the management side. I think that's um, what I like. I like to think about things a little bit more. I think when you're, you're coaching, um, a lot of it is, is in the moment. It's reacting quickly and, and moving on and um, maybe a little closer. And that's why so many players uh, are probably attracted to coaching a little bit more because it's kind of like when you're playing, there's a lot of the emotion involved in it. Um, I, I kind of like the the buildup, the puzzle, um, taking my time, analyzing. Um, I, I think that's probably why right now I'm a little bit more drawn to the management side. All right. That makes perfect sense. Um, so the role you're in now, I mean, was uh, you kind of talked about that a little bit. Was it as simple as, hey, we really don't want to lose you to another organization. Here's a here's a position for you with the Flyers. Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, that's that'd be a question of a little more for the flyers okay. um you know but i i was involved it's not like i i was a complete stranger i i was around the flyers organization quite a bit um you know and they they were very aware of what was going on and and the opportunities that i had had uh with a different a few different teams interviewing for different position um you know and and i you know knowing that i lived here and the families here they were probably aware that you know my my first choice would be in Philadelphia. So, um, you know, but I don't know exactly what, what, you know, what made, uh, what, what prompted them to make the decision. Um, but I can tell you that I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very happy about it. Yeah. As are we. Um, so just to get a little bit more information about your current role, uh, can you tell us some of the responsibilities that come with it? Um, yeah. So I'm, you know, involved in a little bit of everything. Um, from player development to amateur scouting, pro scouting, uh, roster buildup. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, Chuck, Brent, Flair, and Barry Anahan have been amazing in including me and in all, all of that stuff. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's not just one thing. And that's kind of the cool thing with the job that I love. It's you're not just focusing on one thing. Um, there's always, you know, curveballs coming from, uh, different areas, um, but mostly the departments that I um, mentioned. That's kind of like what we're, what I'm mostly um, doing at the at the moment. Okay, and probably the last one we're going to touch on as far as your your role. Um, do you have any personal goals with the club, or or even long term goals uh, for yourself? Well, my the, the goals are to bring the Flyers back to where they should be. Um, you know, it, it's a proud organization. They, they they treat people better than than most teams in the NHL. Everybody agrees on that. 
Um, but the, the results haven't been good the last few years. Um, you know, we're used to seeing the, the Flyers compete for the Stanley Cup year after year. And, and lately it's, it's been a little rough in that department. Um, my ultimate goal is to, to make the Flyers a contender again. Um, that's uh, at the end what, what I, I want to do. And, you know, I, I could be in, in this role that I am now for the next 20 years and I'll be very happy. So I, I, it's not like I'm trying to get somewhere else. Um, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now and I'm trying to help the Flyers get back, you know, like I said, where they, they should be. So how does that, uh, like, for, for instance, your direction, your idea of getting the Flyers back to a contending team, what would be ideal, like an ideal direction from Danny Breer? Well, I think what we're what we're seeing, what we're trying to do at the moment is, um, you know, bring some character guys uh, around the area. Um, you know, the, I think the identi- identity of the team has gotten lost a little bit the last few years. We're not too sure um, what we were. We're, I think, a little too easy to to play against. Um, not that we should become the Broad Street Bullies again. That's not the way the, the game is being played anymore, and um, we're very aware of that. But um, bring that culture back of, of you know standing up for ourselves and being tough to play against and uh, working hard. Um, you know, I, if you look at the fan base in Philadelphia, it's a very passionate fan base. Everybody agrees with that. Anyway, that's that's what I'm hearing from um other fan base elsewhere um but um but i agree with that i mean we're we're we have a very passionate fan base that demands um that the players and the staff work hard and i think we've maybe gotten away from that a little bit and that's to me that's the first thing that needs to be fixed um and that's what we're working on um you know that's where a a guy like john tortorella who fits kind of the image of the fan base um is going to help us it's a for me, a step in the right direction, bringing him aboard. Absolutely. I, I know we're excited for John Tortorella as well. Um, so let's kind of take it towards uh, the other night on that Twitter space. You mentioned culture. Uh, can you talk about the culture back when you played for the Flyers and how did that come to be? You know, because it doesn't just it doesn't just happen, right? Like you have to kind of work at that. You need the right mix of guys. Uh, can you talk about the culture back when when you were on the roster? Yeah, and, and culture is such um, such a wide uh, range. Um, you know, it can mean so many things. Um, you know, but and you don't realize it until you really you lose it. And mm. that's how I feel. Um, it, it can be many different things, but at the end of the day. You know, it, it's being more successful. Um, it's it's having guys wanting to play for each other. It's working hard. It's um, guys making each other accountable. Um, those are, are all part of the culture that I felt we had. Um, you know, in the years that you know, from 07 to 13 when I was here. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what I'd like to see back around. Uh, accountability is is you know something that. Uh, has gotten away from us, I think, a little bit. And part of the reason why we were a little too easy to play against, you know, recently. What does it take, what, what's it take to create that culture? I mean, once you have it, like you said, you don't, you don't know you have it. It's just, it just is. So once it's yeah. lost, how do you create that? Is it just, is it just going out and getting the right mix of players or is it as an organization you need to create this culture? I, I think it's as as an organization, and and you look in the seventies, you know, starting with Bobby Clark's um, team when they won the cup. I think they they, they instilled a, a certain culture right from the get go, and and a lot of the teams through the eighties, the nineties, and um, two thousand till two thousand ten, um, you know, it was very palpable. You you knew, and the Flyers were they might have had you know a bad year here and there, but they always came back strong. Um, you know, and, and that was instilled in, in the Flyers culture from an, a very early age, I, I feel. And, um, yeah, for some reason now it's not just one year. It's, you know, three, four, five years where uh, you know, the, the team is not seen as really a contender. So we, um, we feel that you have to find a way to bring that back. Now it's a lot easier said than done. Um, you know, it's, 
it's not easy, but I, I think it's it's the right mix of people. It's not just the player. It starts from uh, from the top uh, all the way down. Um, I also feel like I mentioned earlier, I think a guy like John Tortorella will really help in that department, uh, bringing the accountability, uh, accountability back in, uh, in the dressing room. Um, and that should you know be a good first step forward. But the players will also have to take a step forward in, in that department. Now, you speak of accountability, and um, I know we've heard rumors, especially with Torts coming in, that like this year is a big audition for a lot of the players that have already been here over mm-hmm. the past couple of years that I know you've had the, uh, the chance to witness play. Um, do you think that uh, for a lot of these guys, this is a big-time audition year? Like, Is that a perspective from upper management? I think it's very fair to say. I think we um, we have a lot of players that are kind of at a crossroad, um, and and we'll need to. I think I think Torts will probably sort sort that out. Um, he's a very demanding coach, uh, but he's fair. He cares about his players as long as you know you put in the work and you're you're buying into the team concept, and it's not about yourself; it's about the team. Um, so we, we realize there's probably going to be some some casualty around the, along the way, um, you know, but at the same time, we, we feel that he's going to give the chance to some of those guys to really step forward and, and take a big step with, uh, with their play, their individual play to, to make this team better. That's anyway, what we're, we're hoping for and what we'll be looking for. For sure. All right. So last question before we get to our last question, uh, what do you think is the top priority for the club this coming season? I mean, I think it's what we, we talked about, taking a step forward uh, with the identity, um, the accountability, um, be, be, becoming, a, a like I said, a tougher team to face, um, n- not just being a pushover, especially the second half of last year. That was that was really tough to, uh, to, to see. And obviously the injuries had a big part to play in that, but we're, we're not the only one that's going to face injuries and we can't keep using that as excuse. Um, like everybody has to, to take a step forward. And, and like I said, we're not going to win every game. I'm, I'm not saying we're going to be a Stanley cup contender right away this season, uh, but at least take a step forward and, and, you know, towards the team that we want to be eventually. So, if if you don't mind, I have one more question I'd like to get out. Not of. at all. As a, as an assistant GM, I know that you you do extensive look at the roster. I know that you said you really enjoy putting pieces together and and this. Do you feel like, given the team's injury history over the last year or so, that the Flyers have enough depth to fill roles if these top centers, second line centers, go down uh, long term due to injury again this year? Well, we, I mean, we, we hope so. Um, you know, I, I think we'll be, we'll be in a better position going into the season. I mean, you look at last year, we, you know, first month of this or after the first month of the season, our top four sentiment were you know, on the shelf, you know, from Couturier, uh, Hayes, Broussard, Frost, Brown, um, you know, it, it was, it was really messy and, and it's tough to recover from that. Um, you know, you, you can't plan to have your top four sentiment miss an extended part of the season. You, you just can't. You can't have – I mean, you'd have to ice or, or sign two teams to get ready for the season. So, um, you know, we're hoping we, – we know we're going to have some injuries, but hopefully not all four top four center going into the season. Um, you know, I mean, just the bringing back uh, Hayes and Couturier healthy – will be a huge difference in in our lineup um you know we we have some young guys obviously we've we focused on that in the draft with our first pick um cutter Gauthier. um he's not going to be ready of it or available this year unfortunately um but you know hopefully frost takes a, a step uh tanner lashinsky will will have a, a good look as well those are, are two guys that have been you know in the pipeline coming up but you know now it's time for them to, to take it uh, a step forward. So that would bring us a lot of depth if, if those two guys are, are, are ready to, to take a step forward. So, um, 
you know, they're, they're definitely key guys for the future of the franchise. We're looking forward to watching those guys uh, hopefully develop as well. We, had, we actually spoke to Tanner a couple weeks ago. Good guy. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Still remain positive through through all this stuff that he's been through the last couple of years. So good stuff there, character there. Uh, all right. So lastly, uh, we're going to get a little cliche, but it's not every day you get to chat it up with a legend, Danny. Uh, what are some of your fondest memories playing for the city of Philadelphia? I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, but, I mean, it's tough to go to miss out that two-month um, stretch of playoff hockey in, yeah. in 2010 i would i would start with the last regular season game obviously you know making the, the playoffs on the last regular season day, uh, day in a shootout against one of the best shootout goalie uh you know of you know since the the, the shootout was instilled yeah. um and then all the way down to the stanley cup playoff it was um it was tough to lose that way but i don't regret it it, it was a, an amazing amazing run we left it all out there and that's what i'm proud of i can look back and say you know what we left it all out on on the ice um no the maple the no, not, not the maple leaf the blackhawks were a little better than us that year and give them credit but um it was amazing and, and the support of the the city uh was what got us going and, and pushed us to to the limit it was really cool to uh, to be a part of it um i still remember waking up the day after the last Stanley Cup playoff game and you know for so long for two months you every day you know you wake up and it's your days organized you have you know a, a meeting at you know let's say 9 a.m and then you have a stretch as a team and then you have practice and then you have a team meeting and then you have lunch and then the, everything was organized you meet the media and you get ready for the game and I remember waking up after going through that for two months waking up the next day and it's like nowhere to go nobody waiting for you no meeting no meals no media to face um it, it was really weird waking up and having all this freedom um i didn't know what to do for my with myself for the first uh, the first couple of days um no but I, it, it was just amazing living in that bubble um all thinking uh, the only thing you were thinking about every single moment was was the stanley cup um, and how you were going to get there so um, it was close. Uh, it still hurts, but uh, it's it's one of those moments that I'll cherish forever. I think we can each say the same. You know, watching you guys uh, probably it still hurts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, it does. <laughs> one of the most beloved teams, uh, I would say, at least uh, you know, for for our uh, generation. Um, so yeah, Danny, thanks for thanks for doing this. Thanks for thanks for the memories. I'm sure we'll. You know, maybe we'll bump into each other at a uh, you know a game later on this season or something. But uh, yeah, thanks for th thanks for hanging out and taking the time. Well, I hope I hope so. And uh, please stop me if uh, if we're in the area. Come say hi. And thanks for having me today. It's always fun to talk. Uh, and you know, yeah. get get those memories back, especially the 2010 team. That was uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, we know you're a busy guy, so we'll let you go and. Uh, We'll talk soon. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Training camp in a couple weeks. Uh, we're excited. All right. Thanks, James. Thanks, All right, Scott. Take care, Danny. Have a good one, Danny. Thanks. Bye-bye.